Heavy Hops is a Scorched Tundra production. You can access all our episodes with detailed show notes and information about upcoming events by visiting scorchedtundra.com slash heavy hops. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform. Subscribe, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the show. I remember back when it was like the mid 2000s, whatever, like on like the Southern Lord board. Um, and like, that was the big thing is Roadburn. And I was just like, every year I'm like, holy fuck, I need to make it out there. I'm like, oh shit, I have $30 in my name. Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Alexi. My name's Sam. Joining us this week is Dick Della Croce, guitarist of instrumental doom band Bong Ripper and solo project Bottomed. We discuss what's been happening with Bong Ripper, what we've been listening to, and which albums, podcasts, movies, and shows have struck us from 2021 so far. Listeners will recognize Nick, not only from his musical work, but from his appearance in episode seven. In the episode notes, you'll find links to the playlist we discussed during the show and our top lists. Let's dive and get heavy. Nick Della Croce, welcome back to Heavy Hops. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me back. It was a blast last time. All yeah. right. Encroaching on one year now, right? Yeah, I think one, <laughs> one year from record date, more or less. Maybe we'll get two out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, so we're here to talk about our uh, top albums from 2021 and you know maybe some stuff from last year, too. But let's bury the lead for a little bit here, as we like to do on this show, and <laughs> as his, as our history has proven. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been about a year since we uh, since we kind of caught up on the show, Nick, and we want to know a little bit about like what's uh, what's been happening in the world of the Bong Ripper. Uh, well, we still are writing a record. Um, I think I mentioned last time that we recorded a demo version of a track that March before the pandemic hit. Um, we now have another track. And it's so we have about total about almost 40 minutes of music. Um, we're still trying to see where everything goes, but it's been a slow process just trying to stay safe. And um, um, as I was talking to you earlier before we got on the air and stuff about like we also have uh, we also had some issues with um, <clears throat> health stuff with uh, our other guitarist, Dennis, who uh, broke his collarbone. And how did he break it? Uh, he was, uh, you know, being a dog dad and uh, he has a back porch and, uh, you know, there's a fenced in area in the back porch for his uh, black lab named Kona to run around. Amazing dog, super sweet. But uh, she must have saw like a scroll or something like that and tried to jump the fence. And the dog is probably the size of Dennis. So it took Dennis for a little bit of a ride off the porch. Oh my goodness. So playing a guitar with a uh, broken collarbone is probably challenging, right? Yeah. So he was unable to do any kind of, he couldn't hold a guitar. He couldn't even really play guitar. You know, he was laid up in bed for, I don't know how long and he's still in physical therapy. So um, that, you know, put a little bit of hamper on things and just like, you know, as I said, with the pandemic and everything like that, we only really practice once a week. So if something does happen where someone's not feeling well or anything like that, even like no one's had COVID or anything from our band, we, you know, to stay safe, we just made sure that we just don't practice. So when you've been able to get back together and maybe practice as a three piece, 
how do you fill out the sound for two guitar players when you're playing or how do you uh, negotiate that challenge? You can't. That's the thing. It's, I don't know. I know there's plenty of bands with, uh, you know, as a single guitarist and they sound great, but um, I don't know. That's, I feel like it's a special part of like the sound is just having that, uh, you know, whether it's just two guitars playing the same thing or something slightly different, it's just that kind of stereo field of like complete immersion. Mm-hmm. You know, I can run a lot of amps and it'll be loud as hell, but it's not going to be the same because it's going to be one guitarist playing it. Um, and obviously, like Dennis, you know, he has a lot that he adds with, um, you know, his little intricacies and, uh, you know, sub melodies and stuff like that he throws into stuff. Um, so it's just, it, it's just not the same, you know. So and it's been a band where we've been all the same members for the entire time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just having missing a quarter of that obviously plays a huge part. But luckily, he is back and playing with us. And uh, we hopefully will get this done by winter. Mm-hmm. Is it something you're looking to book studio space at that time? Or you have it booked right now? Or are you waiting until you finish what you currently are writing and then you're going to start looking at studio space? Well, I've never been in a studio. Oh. Oh, no. So uh, we record everything in Dennis's basement. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did talk it's about the studio last, Dennis's studio. basement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real studio. And Dennis is a professional you know, engineer, and he went to school for eight years for all this stuff, you know, and he is unreal. He makes, but he, it's recorded in a basement. He makes drums recorded in a basement over in Kankakee, sound like they're recorded in electrical, you know, just how it is. He's just really good at it. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about filling out your guys' sound and missing that missing link of Dennis, uh, when, when you guys play, do you play the same amplifiers or do you have different amplifiers kind of filling out that sound and what's kind of the tone route? Well, it's different because even on like the last record, Dennis didn't use an amplifier. He, uh, you know, he uses a preamp pedal that he built um, based off of Nick from Dunwich, if you are a gear nerd at all. Um, he, which is based off a of JC800, uh, but with JFET instead of obviously tubes. Um, so he just run that dire- directly into a power amp, and that's his sound. Like it's funny because like I ran bunch of vintage amplifiers that are super expensive, super heavy, and super annoying. And he sounds <laughs> he sounds just as good as I do. <laughs> and he's road ready. Yeah, and he's road ready. <laughs> um, so like, I, I may have mentioned this last time, I haven't gone back and listened to any of the previous podcasts outside of when they first recorded them because I hate my voice. But I, uh, you know, when we're gonna do that uh, 10 year anniversary tour over in Europe, I was just gonna bring uh, that preamp pedal and a little practice power amp that's this big in a suitcase and that was gonna be it mm-hmm. so you know it's different ways to achieve the same thing yeah it's just that he's more smart about it well that's what eight years of uh audio engineering gets you right <laughs> yeah so he, he has a good ear and so he can make it sound good live and uh obviously it's just well nick from Dunwich just makes really good uh equipment in general that's what i've been using for my main um fuzz tone too for uh the last few years um i recorded with that for uh terminal um before that it was all obviously uh rat pedals but um and so over the last uh you know year or so you've had an opportunity presumably to kind of think about your rig whether it's your own interests or also uh, working for Reverb, you come across a lot of gear. Uh, have you come across anything uh, over the last year that you've fucked around with that's been legit 
or anything that you thought like would be great and wasn't like uh, gear assessment? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I've been trying to keep things mostly simple. I finally took this time to actually do what I always hate doing is paying to have the stuff you already have get better. Um, so I brought in both my uh, my son Model T and my uh, Marshall JMP to uh, Dean, who uh, he does Dean Costello amplifiers and he's in Disrotted. Um, and uh, he retuned my amps for me. I just wanted to you know make sure a homie can do it. Um, but got him back. Only got to play him once so far, and they sound they sound great. But yeah, they're still heavy. They're old and they're cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Only, only for Chicago shows, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's also it's 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 an interesting you know thing to have too. Where you know outside of that tour that we did in 2018, you know we I rarely get to play my amps outside of Chicago. Well, when you have the little pedal and you know you can pack everyone in a smaller vehicle, it makes everything a lot easier. Just bring it on the plane with you. Yep, <laughs> that's the road ready model, right? Uh, <laughs> you can tour Europe with a tote bag if you really want to. It's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Outside of music, what kind of movies or shows or podcasts have you been uh, you've been interested in and what's kind of caught your eye? Um, so, you know, with all the pandemic going on, it's just like all this kind of like kind of music uh, history and uh, documentaries and podcasts and such like that. Um, like there's one where I, you know, I've never really been into country i grew up in chicago and the only country i heard was like garth brooks and i was just like what the hell is this um (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know i was getting into this podcast it actually started in 2017 but the new season just came out this year and it's still ongoing for cocaine and rhinestones um it's a podcast based on the like kind of the history of 20th century country music um it's done by uh, Tyler Bianco, which is David Allen Coe's kid, which I've actually never listened to any of his dad's music. But it's just interesting to hear the backstory, and it's such a completely different, uh, you know, form of music that I'm used to. So it's I have no recollection or like any kind of experience really with it. Um, so I don't understand how to make the music. I don't understand why they did it the way they did. I don't understand the whole music business of back then, which. I know we kind of talked off thing about just like that's kind of how the music business was in general, especially with pop music. But um, it's just such a foreign thing to me. And just as always, I'm just interested to learn something I don't know about. Um, And, uh, you know, I still am not the biggest country music fan. Um, It's still not my usual cup of tea, but I do find stuff that I do like. And it comes down to one thing. Misery. (laughs) <laughs> like I want it to be the saddest fucking thing I've ever heard. And um, I actually this week I was compiling a list uh, uh, like a Spotify playlist of like real it's called the sadness. Uh, just of, <laughs> and it's only George Jones songs and George Jones is like known as like the best voice in country music of all time and he sounds like a sly guitar. Like he's just wailing and he is has a very interesting story of his life where he just He's known as No Show Jones is because he was a very severe alcoholic and pillhead that would never show up to shows and such like that. And he had a lot of enemies and but a lot of admirers. And it, you can hear it in the music. And just like hearing him sing a song that was written by the girl he loves about being about her fiance. And him, you hear him in his voice. It's like 
he it's a love song that's supposed to be really happy and he sounds like he's crying the entire time which he actually probably is so i just i like this like the whole kind of thing of that kind of weird backstory and learning things about that and i guess sadness Mm-hmm. That is a pretty incredible juxtaposition, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear the song, um, check out like the first, there's a couple versions of it, but the first one is called uh, Walk Through This World With Me. And you can literally hear him, like his voice like breaking up while he's singing it. And <laughs> you say that it's so far away from the music that you make. I guess it's not that far for that. <laughs> <laughs> I found a podcast this year called uh, Downstream Channel. It's by uh, Robert Downey Jr. actually, um, and they focus on like the environmental challenges we're facing as a world right now that we've caused. And uh, it's very interesting. They interview someone leading a sector of environmental climate change, uh, whether that's energy, food, whatever it is. Uh, they do an interview, and then the, the subsequent episode after that is basically going into what that person does with you know, a bunch of different specialists in the field. It's very interesting. It sounds depressing as well. Yeah, It is very depressing because, you know, they're like, here's the bright future and it's so far away. Yeah, we've uh, I think, Sam, you've guided some of our uh, environmental uh, veneer recently on the show. Um, what are some other sorts of like and I know this is something that you study uh, academically as well. Mm-hmm. What are some other if people are kind of interested in uh, in climate change or in some uh, other podcasts that are like it? Are there others that you can recommend or things that you've read recently? Yeah, I mean, things that are more digestible. I think there's been some good uh, documentaries to pop up on Netflix lately. Um, that are not by Al Gore. That are not by Al yeah. Gore, no. Um, David Attenborough just put out a new one. It was either at the end of last year or the beginning of this year. Um, it's our... Yeah, Life on Earth. And then there's another one, Our Planet, um, that was really good. And it just kind of focuses on everything that we should be doing to reverse uh, climate change and kind of gives you a sense of the gravity of the situation we are currently in and heading down towards um, and how we can kind of reverse that. It is a lot of doom and gloom, but the end is always, you know, there is hope, you know, Um, and you know, it's nice to put a very heavy topic that's very hard to understand for a lot of people in a presentable way that's digestible. Um, Kiss the Ground was another one, and that's kind of more where I focus uh, my studies on, and that's on our soil health. And uh, Woody Harrelson's actually the uh, narrator of that one. So, you know, you get a little friendly voice there. It's important to have a friendly voice as a narrator, right? Yeah. He loves things that grown in soil. He he definitely (laughs) loves things grown in soil. Um, But yeah, that one focuses more on, you know, how our our uh, soil is uh, very important for life on Earth and not just for growing things, but, you know, carbon capturing and all the fun stuff that we've talked about with um, uh, what's nuts. I can't even think right now. Oh, uh, well, most recently, the um, uh, hurt. Van der Veel. Kurt, and then... Yeah, um, and uh, James as James. well. Yeah. And... With Schramm. With Ken Schramm, too. Yeah, there's a ton of people. Yeah, so many people. Go Ken. back and listen to the last yeah. 15 episodes. <laughs> you'll, Anyways, you'll be enriched yeah. and become an environmentalist. Yeah. Don't be a poser. Don't... don't. <laughs> 
Don't be a poser is good. Don't be a poser. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I love it. I love David Edinburgh and he's, I don't know. First of all, he has the best voice of all time. And, but it's that, that, uh, series is extra sad because like it's, he explains it all happening within his lifetime. Yeah. And he's like in these places and he still like, is like David Attenborough, but like there's only so much more time we have with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of fitting to see, you know, that lineup with, you know, our trajectory as well. It's very interesting to be like, Oh yeah. He the glimmer of hope should be that we just keep him alive forever. And that his <laughs> like, the longevity of him correlates with uh, with the Earth, right? So we'll cryogenically freeze David Attenborough <laughs> and put him in a little test tube. In a little test tube? <laughs> He's a little guy. Shrink, shrink him and then put him <laughs> in a little test tube. A little mini David. A little David. Uh, Nick, uh, are there other uh, podcasts that have been of, have, have been of interest to you? Uh, just, you know, I'm always just a sucker for anything with true crime crap, but... Uh, like today, I was just listening to um, uh, Harker History with Dan Carlin, um, and he... Uh, it's Two I, hardcore history fans here, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'd actually missed when the last of the uh, the Japan World War II one came out, the sixth one, which yeah. was five hours long as well. Like, I'm already... Well, you probably are both, like, already 30 hours into this thing. It's been going on for, like, five years, I feel, at this I point. I think I, I uh -huh. started it at the beginning of the pandemic. It's just, yeah. It's been, like, the red thread. So <laughs> yeah. uh, so where where are you at with that series? Uh, well, I'm on the last... Ep I just started the last episode, and I am I was listening to it on the way here. I was pro I'm probably, like, two hours into it. But, yeah, he... I don't know. I'm, I'm endlessly entertained with any of the Harker history stuff with him. It's him just yelling and doing quotes and it, like, it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, I, his regular podcast is whatever to me, but uh, I do really like his historic stuff. Yeah. The hardcore history series is definitely, um, I think it could entertain anyone. Yeah. For sure. He, he had that one with uh, Tom Hanks. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, the addendum. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, wow, this is like Tom Hanks too. <laughs> I think that Land of the Giants was one that I've been into uh, recently. They've done a couple of different series on different uh, tech companies. And I feel like um, maybe in a, because it's serialized, uh, it's serialized. And at the point of this recording, they haven't uh, released all the episodes. But the most recent one is about the delivery, food delivery industry. And I found it to be uh, very, very interesting. Uh, with my background in the food and beverage industry, it's uh, confirmed some things that I've that I've felt about the, the food <laughs> delivery industry that the pandemic has heightened as I've fallen into a shell and refused <laughs> to eat out anywhere for the last year and a half. But Nick, you're like a pretty voracious consumer of new music and you enjoy discovering new music, new movies. Like where are some places that uh, that you look for new music or uh, people that you may follow. Um, how do you go about kind of finding new stuff? Um, well, a lot of the stuff like, uh, is like just recommendations from friends and such like that. And we have friends, uh, who I either I work with or just friends in general, like they'll send me, we'll send each other links all day. Like I have one, I have a group text of, uh, my one friend who, uh, he's known as Russian Mike. And then we have, uh, my friend, uh, Chris, who he descends the most brutal death metal shit, like almost I get like two or three albums a day this that he sends to me so like I'll be at work just like blasting slam 
and stuff like that. And then I have other people who like, I get like more of like the, you know, <clears throat> indie rock or shoegaze or the more like academic stuff or, you know, jazz or anything like that. Um, and then I have friends who like, we have like a, a playlist that we kind of each add stuff to like, we have like a best metal of 2020. Now we have a best metal of 2021 that we just keep adding stuff to from like on Spotify and stuff like that. You know, as someone who, well, as everyone right now, this doesn't really have that kind of, or at least we're before we didn't have that kind of in-person communication where someone's like, you're drinking a beer at a bar and like, oh, have you heard this record? It's fucking sick. Um, it's just, you know, internet, I guess. So no a nerd, basically. Well, gotta be a nerd to be one to know one. <laughs> I think uh, something we've talked about on the show and that I really still find uh, pretty uh, enjoyable as a source of finding new stuff is that um, essential roadburn playlist that mm. Walter uh, puts up. Uh, he or someone else in the hive mind puts together and and puts up. I've really enjoyed following that and. I found a lot of stuff that uh, leaves me baffled and a lot of stuff that also uh, just is new. Like there's very rarely a band that I've heard of that's on there. And I don't know if that's a reflection of the depth of knowledge. It probably is, but it's also just me living in a shell and having very, <laughs> very few like uh, things that my tentacles sink into. Um, Did you do the virtual road burn this year? I did. Oh yeah, we didn't even get to talk about virtual no, roadburn with Walter. I, and I treated it like the entire weekend, like I was at roadburn, like from my couch, and like I, because I, so, I was so starving for something like that, and like I, you know, I was just like I went to stuff too, where like I didn't like do research on bands, and was like, you know, bouncing back and forth between the streams and the, you know, like the pre-recorded stuff as well, and uh, it was, it was amazing and also kind of sad at the same time. Just because I just, you know, it's always anything that's kind of that kind of virtual atmosphere, even though like it's amazing. I, I can't believe that they did that and they did such a great job with it. Um, it's just like, fuck, I just want to be there. Mm -hmm. It did leave uh, it did leave a lot for wanting. What were some of the things, uh, Nick, that you felt uh, were done well? Like what was what were parts of the experience? Because you've you've been there as a musician a couple of times and uh, it's something that's important to you. What are some of the things that you feel like carried over well uh, in that experience? Well, just the production values, you know, the production values of that festival are so high where things sound great um, and it's run well and it, every band should be how they should be. And I feel like that carried over very well. And of course, like the production, whoever did it uh, for like the filming and mixing and everything, especially the live stuff, like it was great. It sounded good. It lo looked interesting. And like, I really liked how they did where they took the O13 and uh, did like the circle kind of loop thing. And so you like saw the cameras spinning around and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and I had to actually go back and like see the lineup to actually talk about anything like that. Cause I was probably fairly intoxicated for most of it. Um, as you should be <laughs> road, burn so, road, road burn weekend intoxication. <laughs> and I, 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 but I think that's part of the experience as well is that, I mean, I don't remember half the things that I saw or listened to or read about, but I remember waking up on Monday feeling really satisfied. Mm -hmm. a, a, and that's kind of the most important thing, right? Is, is that like, 
you can extract so many different, so much knowledge about different types of music and different bands and all of that. But the feeling that you're left with afterward is the thing that kind of lasts the longest. I, I, I feel Sam, did you check out any of the redux? I did. I caught a few. I wasn't able to catch all of it. Um, I'm kind of in your boat where I was watching it while intoxicated and a lot of it slipped the mind, but, um, it felt good to have that, you know, it's very, you know, as we've talked before, the live stream thing is kind of hit and miss with me. It's got to be a very special experience to make it feel worthwhile for me. And, you know, like you were saying, the production behind it was just unbelievable. And, you know, that goes a long way for me. Yeah, I felt that there was a good bat, like a lot of the components of what makes Roadburn special were there, as you highlighted Nick, the performances, the quality of the audio, also elements of like the side program were there as far as like the, and then even, uh, or what I mean about the side program is just like the information about new bands and uh, some of the like little talks that- The panels, yeah. Yeah, the mm -hmm. panels, like all that stuff was totally there. And I guess like the only thing that we were missing were like scans of the, of the daily uh, paperback that you get every day, but the the feeling of it was was there, and so like like you as you sort of mentioned, Sam, like the 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 thing with streams is that the music and the performance is one thing, but what Redux did really well was did as best as you could of capturing the the feeling of mm -hmm. being there, and for them that's carried by like ingratiation with information, ingratiation with performance, <laughs> ingratiation with like all the things that nerds like, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's also an experience that like most people around the world can't experience because like, mm -hmm. I remember back when it was like the mid 2000s or whatever, like on like the Southern Lord board. Um, and like, that was the big thing is Roadburn. And I was just like, every year I'm like, holy fuck, I need to make it out there. I'm like, oh shit, I have, Thirty dollars, my name, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, and you know, following the lineup throughout the years, and you know, I, the only time I ever got to go there was when I was playing it, and uh, just having that experience to be someone at home, like, and kind of get a little bit of a feel of it is, I think, something special. And like, they took a, advantage of a bad situation and made it positive, which is amazing. Which I, I want to say, like, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from them. One last thing about the uh, wrote, uh, the Redux is that, uh, and, and Nick pointed this out really well, and that is the access. People, because it was a pay-as-you-wish model, people from anywhere, so long as you had a, a high-speed internet or a lot of time, which is also an access issue, but generally speaking, a lot of people could get a hold of it and get an experience for it. So it was probably the greatest promotional tool that they've ever had access to in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And, you know, it's that vibe of being able to take you to somewhere else outside of your living room that they succeeded at. And the Earthless stream uh, live from the Mojave Desert did that as well. You know, I was sitting there in my living room watching it, but all of a sudden, you know, I had all the lights dimmed and, you know, I was there in the Mojave Desert and you know, maybe it's an effect of their music because it is very trippy and tends to take you somewhere else. But just seeing them in that environment with the quality of audio and the video too, the videography in that was just 
unbelievable. It was so good. Um, so if we're talking live streams, I really like to just be taken somewhere else. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't catch that one, but I, I do like the on location ones because obviously that's not something you can do every day and like get it to sound right uh, recorded wise. And, it, you know, you can be playing in the middle of somewhere where it'll sound awful, but you record it right and it'll be cool. Mm -hmm. If you had a million dollars, Nick, <laughs> what would the bong ripper live at X location look like? Damn. A live stream. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. I think like this is just like off the top of my head. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I've been drinking beer. Um, it is a heavy hops episode. <laughs> but like having something where like, you know, somewhere maybe in like Iceland or something outside, like, you know, in like, you know, the landscape of there, but like with like the darkness of like the Northern Lights or something going on, it'd be really sick. I'd probably play like shit because I can't see anything, but the way like you could set up right, that'd be like a really cool thing just to have like amazing background there. Like the planetarium is cool, but like they're like, in the mountains of Norway or something like that would be really cool too. Just like somewhere that'd be so either not feasible or not economically feasible to do would be like something like that'd be really cool. So for you, the, th what you'd want to communicate is a, a fantastic setting yeah. for it. I can just picture like a big bong ripper note, you standing on like the edge of a cliff over a fjord and just hearing that note like echo through the fucking fjord. See, you got it right there. <laughs> oh, wow, I like this. So <laughs> fuck a water tower. Yeah. You only get 14 seconds of reverb apparently in that place. How many seconds of reverb do you get in Norwegian fjord? I uh, always wanted to play over at uh the, uh, not the, the Bohemian National Cemetery in Chicago, but they have the chapel and I always want to play in there, but, uh, at Rockefeller. One, yeah. Well, not Rock, Rockefeller, the one over actually the little chapel inside the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw, uh, Bazinski play there, William Bazinski, the ambient artist, and it was amazing. And it's really not a place for any rock band to play just because the acoustics will make everything just like, even for a slow band, probably a, a mess. But like, mm -hmm. I think it'd be really cool for there just to try it out or something like that. And we asked them actually to play, uh, you know, the empty bottle to play like some of the Bohemian uh, National Cemetery stuff. And they, they said they didn't really want that kind of crowd there. Wow, rough. You know, we saw a son at the um, the church down in Hyde Park. Yeah, were were you at any of those uh, son shows at Rockefeller? I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a cool place. I feel like the acoustics would work out there. It yes or no? It's it's hard to tell. Like. It depends on where you're at, because um, I saw the when God's Peter Black Emperor played there, and I thought it sounded amazing. Um, Ron from Bong Ripper was in a different spot, and he said it sounded like shit. Mm. So it's like... Hit and miss? Yeah, well, I, I, I made sure to go right by the sound booth. Mm -hmm. Well, duh. <laughs> so where like, the okay. fuck else are you going to sit? <laughs> so I was like, okay, it sound, sounded great to me, but yeah, I understand that. You know, the acoustics are a blessing and a curse at the same time. Totally. I think uh, we sat in the uh, premium pews when we were there. You fell asleep. Yeah, my wife was hitting me the whole time. <laughs> it was a good nap. Yeah. It wasn't terribly expensive. No, I mean, I dozed off at one point, and then, uh, you know, I got a little nudge, too. So, you know, it was very calming. Yeah, I'm glad my <laughs> wife kept us in check that night. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break, and then we'll talk about our top albums from 2021. You're listening to Heavy Hops. We'll have more from Nick Della Croce in a minute. 
There are a few things happening in the world of heavy hops and Scorched Tundra at the moment I want to share. Live music is back. The first Scorched Tundra Presents show is taking place on Saturday, September 4th at the Empty Bottle in Chicago, featuring In the Company of Serpents, Hive, and Roman Ring. You can find tickets at scorchedtundra.com slash tickets. We've also created a crowdfunding source for all things Heavy Hops and Scorched Tundra. If you love what we do and want to support us, find the donate link in the episode notes and give what you'd like. Giving any amount will grant you access to our growing Discord community. Thanks for this moment, and back to our top albums of 2021 so far with Nick Della Croce. So let's uh, let's talk about some of our favorite albums of uh, 2021. And Nick, you sent us a pretty awesome list, and we will include uh, the entire list, uh, all of our uh, all of Nick's uh, favorites, even if we don't get to them today. And of course, uh, the ones that Sam and I discuss as well in the episode notes. So. Head over there for this and the uh, aforementioned, aforementioned from uh, the front nine of this conversation. So I guess like to start off with this, uh, Nick, I want to ask you about a couple that I haven't listened to yet that I'm really excited about. One being the Godspeed You Black Emperor album at State's End. Like what uh, what struck you about that album that you really enjoyed? It struck me that I enjoyed it. It's a great strike. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I've been kind of not really into anything they've done since they rejoined as a band. Ever the last one, like Yinkui UXO, whatever garbage title they have, but uh, it, it like nothing has really hit me because like that was a band where <clears throat> I feel like we all have had those moments, depending on whatever kind of genres where. There was parts to it where just like your hair stands up on your arms. Like, I remember the first time I heard, um, you know, um, New Zero Canada EP or Moya, the first track off that. When that first hits into after the build up there, I remember being in my car on the way to pick up my grandfather from the nursing home and just screaming as loud as I can because I was just like so like it just hit me so hard and. Just like that's a band that like was like obviously a big thing for a lot of people with like when people got into post rock like you turn eighteen you get a Godspeed record, um, and it, that was like so this record like when I first heard it I was just like wow like this isn't my favorite Godspeed record but I really I really like what they're doing it's less of the for lack of like better term I felt like it was very more guitar driven like more kraut rocky for like the last few releases and it just didn't really catch me I wanted like it to like. I want to sound like everything is crying and i feel like they got they, like they're still like they're still not as much as they had in the past of like that like super weeping you know <clears throat> strings and guitar and everything like that but it has more of that element to it and i felt like it was like a it just struck it struck me by surprise that how much i actually did like the record yeah i haven't gotten to it yet but uh it's on my list that's a band that i really tend to experience live. I was able to see them, I think a couple times at, at Talia and I've really, really enjoyed it. And I know they are like a fixture at, um, Roadburn as well, but that's a band that like, uh, I, I think just crosses so many different, uh, genre, genre out, uh, genre boundaries. And it's, uh, it's always exciting when they put an album out, clearly not enough for me to listen to ahead of time, but, uh, <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, I get stoked. I guess what I get stoked about is that 
they put an album out and then I'm anticipating a tour to be able to see them. True. Yeah, it's, it's a special experience. It should be. Yeah. I'm real, I'm real disappointed that I got into them, like, as I said, when we were, um, you know, like everyone, like, go to college, you get into post-rock, whatever. And I was like 18, got into them, and they, I missed them the first time they played over at the Abbey Pub in, I think it was 2003. That, could they fit on the stage? I, that's, I, <laughs> Dennis went to see it, and I, he said it was amazing. He's like, it was so goddamn loud. He's like, it was the loudest thing I ever experienced. He said, uh, like, the only band that said he was as close to that was, like, the sh- Shiner at the Empty Bottle back in, like, the 90s, wherever. Um, and I was just, like, blown away that they played there. And I was like, fuck, I missed it by, like, a few months. Let's look at uh, some other stuff from your list here. One, uh, one actually, yeah. that is kind of on the same thing there yeah. is um, Mogwai, which is another post-rock band. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and there are some vocals on this album, too. Yeah, there is... <laughs> I was actually joking with Ron <laughs> about this, but I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about the talk, the talk box through the, um, the auto tune <laughs> on the one on track two, which is a little like whatever, but like just listening to that first track when it came in with everything big and like, I can't tell if they're just like, it just the production of it or just like, they're amazing musicians, obviously, but like when it hits, it's just like, it sounds so massive. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're a band that like, I, every time I listen to them, like, why do I not listen to Mogwai? And I listened to, I just found that record that they put out that record like three days ago. And I had to add it to the list is because like, I want to remind myself I should listen to them. <laughs> and I was like thinking about like one of those times too, I was talking like with, uh, <clears throat> you know, like yelling in your car about like something just like bringing you to such emotional things. And um, Travel is Dangerous off of 2006, uh, Mr. Beast is one of the songs that actually does have vocals too, but they're very shoegazy below the mix kind of deal. But when that hits there, like, it just, like, it, it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And I, like, and I was talking to Ron, too, about this. I'm like, two, that album was only nine years away from, um, was it uh, Young Team? Mm-hmm. And that record is 16 year, or 15 years away from what is now. I'm like, holy shit, we got old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and that hurt my brain thinking about that. Yeah, I was on the Wikipedia page, and I'm like, that can't be right. Oh, yeah, time's weird. It's yeah. Not, it's not real, but it's weird. <laughs> and here we were talking about uh, seeing each other at Roadburn last year <laughs> before we started, and then realizing that was, uh, you know, the better part of a decade ago. <laughs> uh, on, a, on a completely different wavelength, you also put a Portal album up there, Avow, which uh, I didn't even know that Portal put an album out, but that's fucking exciting. They put out two records. Um, the one Double is, the excitement of my discovery. <laughs> yeah, so the the second one, I actually when it didn't really get all the way through. It was uh, a little more on the noisy aspect, and I just maybe I can go back to it and appreciate it, but um, whatever, time and place, set and setting. But that record is the first portal record that I've liked since Swarth, which is, we're doing math again, 14 years ago. And if you listen to the first track off of that new portal record, it has the shepherd's tone to it. The shepherd's tone isn't ever, um, it sounds like it never stops ascending. So it just gets higher in pitch. So it just, you know, it, it, even though it doesn't do it, but it's a trick of the way it goes where it just never stops. And they have a part where the guitars sound like they're doing that and it never stops. And it doesn't sound like it's actually going like back and forth. And then it goes up to a different octave and does it too. All with just the blasting and the normal gutturals and such like that. But like, I heard that and I was just like, Holy fuck. Yeah, good job there. And like I was just like, all right, I like this record. 
And then also, the, it just like it sounds more like Portal, and it's just meaner than mm-hmm. it has been in the past, in the last few records. I feel like another another uh, album that you have on here, the God is War Music Volume One. I've never heard of God is War, so I have to excuse my ignorance. No, so God of War is um, it's a project by actually one of my friends, Mackenzie Shami, who used to live in Chicago for years, and he lives over in the West Coast now. And he does. He grew up doing a lot of like power electronics and such like that, where um, you know very harsh noise and such like that. But this is more kind of focused on almost like dubby kind of IDM. It's still mean sounding as hell, and it's still like where the other stuff was like focused on like Middle Eastern conflict. This is like focused on like strongmen. So it's like very like grandiose kind of personalities, and it's supposed to like make you like punch you in the face and. I just like whenever I listen to anyone doing any kind of like noise adjacent or kind of like more weirder kind of abstract uh, electronic music, he's always at the top of the like front of things that are coming up. And it just like it just always hits me where, where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's kind of like the same thing, like it's a little bit like in the era of like I put a list to scorn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Scorn is uh, Mick Harris from Napalm Death. Um, he has the project basically the same time ish as like Godflesh, and it started off very kind of ambient, um, you know, trip hoppy kind of dubby, but it got to the point where it's like in the two thousands he got like super industrial dubstep, and um, you know, like <clears throat> this is before like what dubstep, what people in the U.S. knew what dubstep was, and it was just straight like low end oscillations hitting you with like a very slow beat. And he stopped doing that for a while. He came back with a record in 2009, which I was like blown away by. I think this one's actually better. It's a little bit like, I like him because he's atonally, doesn't have melodies, but this one has a little bit of melody thrown in. And it's really weird too, because he had a track too, where it's, uh, he has Cool Keith on it, who's just rapping over it. What was the other one, Panopticon? Mm-hmm. Um, that was, uh, you know, like I, the Panopticon stuff is, uh, you know, I think he, they're, he's pretty solid overall. And I thought this record was just really well put together. And um, also that I noticed on, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but on your list, you put the Bukhari record on there or the Bukhari demo. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Spencer, who is the basis of Bukhari and does the recording stuff, he mixed that record and he mixed the other ones as well. Mm-hmm. Or the, at least the one before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of connections, uh, Panopticon uh, to Chicago, not only on the music side, but... Uh, if you find Hammerheart beers here, mm-hmm. you know that's Austin's handiwork uh, also. But uh, Panopticon is definitely uh, one of those kind of rare bands that um, is able to fuse so many different genres and interesting sort of transcontinental uh, folk inspirations as well. Yeah, and I was, um, we played uh, Austin Terrafest with them. Um, and... Uh, they were supposed to play. They pl- were supposed to play actually before us, I think. And th- but like in like the bigger stage, it was like outdoorish. But it was just lightning, and they had like closed the door so that like only like a hundred people could fit in and watch them play. So I think like after we played, and maybe if there was another band after or something like that, they played the indoor stage afterwards, and I got to like watch them from like, like I don't know if they like people that were just cleared out because people are pretty drunk, fast, you know. But like there wasn't as much of a crowd as there should have been for them. So I was able just to like w- kind of like wander around through the crowd and like next to the stage and to see them from different aspects. And I was like, it sounded just really good. And uh, it was probably like a new kind of appreciation, even though like it's kind of a, you know, a one man project. But I 
don't know what the songwriting is now, if there's multiple people or what. Yeah, I, as I understand it, it is uh, Austin who's driving that, uh, that project still. Um, for those of you uh, that are, at, are ardent listeners, you can find some uh, Panopticon track on the playlist from the last episode as an interesting sort of American folk, uh, folk-inspired uh, pagan band. So what are you looking forward to that's going to come out this year? Um, you know, there's always stuff that just kind of pops up that's going to like, it's like, holy shit. But, um, band that's been recently on my radar just really kind of hit me. Um, their last record teeth, the, the band teeth uh, was really good. And, um, they have a new record that's coming out on, is it translation lost or I think so. Yeah. Um, something like that. But yeah, it, the two tracks they have up there, the first one's pretty good. The new one they released, um, I think was last Friday is it's, is, is, is my Russian, my friend Russian Mike says, this is killing music. It just, it sounds like just like getting beat. Like mm-hmm. it, it's so mean, it's so discordant. And it's kind of like they, it's almost like it's almost the same kind of vein as like Primitive Man does where it's just like all mean, but like nothing is just, but it's like obviously way faster, but like nothing is just straight sounding. There's no just like straight, like three chord power chord riffs. It's just like nasty, nasty chords. Well, that's what we want in our metal, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> And uh, hopefully a, uh, a Bong Ripper album in the future, too. <laughs> <laughs> Even two tracks that accumulate to 40 minutes, I think you can fit that on, uh, on two sides of a piece of vinyl. <laughs> uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about some of your uh, top albums from 2021. Yeah, well, while we're on the topic of uh, killing music. Um... <laughs> and the environment, too, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Um, the Chicago hardcore band, um, Ugly Bones, they just put out a record last week, uh, on Thursday. Um, their previous album, Animal, kind of dove into this hardcore sound. They were definitely a punk band before the last album, and this album sees them continue on that road of playing with hardcore sounds. Um, and it's a lot of fun to see this band evolve and grow over the albums and i feel like they're finally um really hitting a beautiful stride of melding punk and hardcore they're very very similar sounds and genres but there are some very distinct differences that hardcore has with like the very very intense breakdowns that just make you want to punch a wall um and i think they're doing that very well and um i've always loved love's scream it's just very primal so hearing that over the music is really, really cool. And I, you know, couldn't recommend a, a band more this year so far. Um, Before you jump into your next one, you mentioned it's Chicago hard, hardcore. And I want to ask Nick, is there certain characteristics that you would sort of define as like Chicago hardcore? Is it no ketchup? Uh, depends on the era and the type of hardcore you're talking about. But yeah, I remember growing up in like the some of the beatdown hardcore scenes of like, you know, it'd be like, you know, front to back, side to side, fuck this, no catch up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. There's Chicago is like, you know, you think of stuff like even like the power balance scene of like Charles Bronson and uh, MK Ultra, and then everything has gone on like in the 2000s and 2010s. But then, like, obviously people, like, are really into Weekend Nachos who are kind of combine the sounds because they took, like, the power violence uh, kind of, like, blasty stuff in, but made it also 
and I don't mean this in a bad way, but very digestible. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I love Weekend Nachos. I thought they, you know, they had some really good records. They always sounded great live too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, you know, they were really good. Um, and you know, I, a lot of friends in that band too, but, and including Ron was in that band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it just, I, it depends on who you ask. Like, as you said, like hardcore is, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's a descriptor that can be anything. It can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they definitely float in the punk scene a lot more. And I think this, these last two albums have seen them kind of making their way into that, whatever that scene is now. Um, I mean, I don't even know anyone outside of harm's way. That's really in that scene from Chicago. I just don't pay attention to it that much. Yeah. I, I, for hardcore bands, I don't like see a shit still band, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so Sam, you have the new Gojira album there, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of the environment and speaking of, uh, number of things. Yeah. What, what caught you about that album? Um, clearly because you follow the billboard charts and you saw it was number one and felt compelled to listen to it, right? Had had to listen to it. It No, I mean, number one. yeah, it was number one for weeks, I think two or three weeks. I haven't listened to one of the records in probably a decade i don't know uh, have you even been along that long yeah oh yeah oh, they've yeah. been around they've been around since what 2000 2003 four yeah yeah um this record though i remember seeing the singles pop up they were doing like you know classic roadrunner style before release have a song this week have a song this week before you know the album comes out and every song was just hitting me in a very like visceral way, almost the hair standy kind of feeling. Um, and then, you know, I listened to the album when it dropped and all those singles, they dropped them in the order that they were on the album. So it was cool to like get a prelude to that. So you got like the first half of the album and then finishing it when it came out, it, it just was front to back, really a masterpiece from them. I felt the previous album was much more commercialized um, and digestible for the radio rock people. And this album is, it could still be played on the radio for sure. And it is played on the radio, but it is heavy. It is very heavy. And not only musically, but lyrically too, the topics are very, as we were saying, they, they cover like a breadth of things from like the environment and what we're doing to the world right now. And, you know, just, very very in tune with what's going on right now um so i thought that was really cool to see from a band who i think is you know carrying the torch forward for metal that's awesome i haven't listened to it my real estate agent actually suggested i listen to it yeah uh your real estate agent is correct (laughs) well she she has good taste she's uh married to bob weston who to thunk (laughs) it no comment that's incredible (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. so you also, uh, we'll skip one of yours so that I can talk about it, Sam, uh, because it's also on my (laughs) list, but the, uh, new cults of Luna album, the raging river. Yeah. Um, it was cool to see, uh, an album that I absolutely loved get a, uh, continuation. So the raging river, um, they dubbed it an EP, uh, but it was still over 30 minutes long. So to me, you know, it's not a cult of Luna record, but. 
by some other bands. It's definitely a record. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rain and Blood, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, it was cool. You know, the themes of um, A Dawn to Fear were continued on the Raging River uh, lyrically and musically. And it just felt like a very satisfying conclusion to an era of Cult of Luna. Um, so I really enjoyed, you know, this final piece of that era and look forward to the next piece we're going to be getting probably in a few years. Hopefully recorded in Norway by a fjord. By a fjord. As, this la- as uh, Dawn of Fear was, right? <laughs> the, the Cult of Luna, I remember being, I think it was like probably like a sophomore in college, something like that, and Dennis and his friend came down and we're just like going through like my like whatever downloaded music was from like soul seek or whatever in like 2004 sick and we were and i threw on um was it somewhere along the highway was oh, the record oh, classic. and I, classic. I i was playing for it and, and like the dennis's friend who's an amazing musician goes how long till the till the drums come in like four or five minutes and he goes dennis is gonna like this <laughs> <laughs> yeah that no precursor to bong ripper there <laughs> That record's unbelievable. I think A Dawn to Fear was my favorite after after that one, for sure. It was just really, really good. The Julie Christmas collab was good, too. That was awesome, yeah. I liked that. Vertical was good. Like, Did you see the, Nick, did you see the uh, Julie Christmas at tour Reggie's? at Reggie's? No, I, uh, I neglected to buy tickets and it sold out. I loved it but I really didn't like how many people were there to see whores and then left. Oh, do you have something against whores? No, I have, uh, I, I like that band a lot, but I was a little disappointed that people weren't as uh, excited about uh, the Cult of Luna, Julie Christmas thing, which happens once versus whores touring very regularly, but clearly that's a problem that I have to internalize and deal with my (laughs) therapist about. So, uh, Sam, you have an album that came out last year and was pressed early this year on the list. Yeah. Uh, blood letter, another Chicago band. Um, you know, I've always liked them. They've, they've had those soaring guitar solos over very fast soaring, 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 soaring guitar solos over very fast music. That's just fun. It's, you know, thrash mixed with that um, really cool guitar harmony over all of it. A lot of Lazarus AD vibes, which I miss that band, so it's cool to get a a little bit of that taste in there. Um, Yeah, you know, if you're listening on Thursday the 12th, which I hope you are. The 12th uh, of what? Of August, when this is released. um, Go to fucking Reggie's if you're in Chicago because they're playing a show. So there you go. What's the bill? It's uh, Byzantine, them, and then... Sun Crusher. Sun Crusher. My uh, housemates band. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if uh, you give a fuck, (laughs) go to that show. (laughs) Well, I think everyone gives a fuck, so the place will be packed. Yeah. Sold out. Yeah, sold out. All right, re-releases, shit you're looking forward to, things that you loved. We talked about the Earthless Mojave Desert uh, mm-hmm. live streams. What else uh, are you... Uh, ooh, you got the Kikigaku Moyo Riley Walker Deep Fried Grandeur, which was my soundtrack of the last two weeks. Yeah, uh, as it should be. That that album is amazing. Anything Kikigaku Moyo touches, though, I think uh, you know we both are huge fans of. Um, for those who don't know them, they're a Japanese psych rock band. Um, 
featuring heavy loads of sitar over the guitar, which is a lot of fun. Sitar um, over the guitar. Sitar over guitar. <laughs> does, does Riley play guitar? Does he play do vocals too? Riley does do vocals and um, guitar on the second side, I believe. Um, used to be a guy that I used to always see in all the warehouses back in like 10 years ago with all those random weird shows or him playing psych or noise sets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was really cool seeing this record come together, and um, I've definitely spun it more than 10 times at this point. So if you're a fan of psych rock, I would definitely check it out. And um, as for cover albums go, um, something about continuations to albums. So Emma Ruth Rundle and Thou did a really killer album last year, and then they followed up with a cover album with the pair of them. Um, I think one of the bigger releases on that was a cover of the Cranberries, Hollywood. Um, unbelievable cover, but the whole album is really, really good too. So definitely check that out. Lexi. Yeah, that's all you got. That, Sick. That is what I got. Uh, so where, yeah. where are you standing with uh, your top five? Before I get to me, there's a, uh, one of our uh, supporters was uh, pointed out that we did not mention the new Grand Cadaver EP which um, has been discussed on the, uh, the band has been discussed before uh, on the show with uh, Mikel Stane, but sick old school Stockholm death metal uh, featuring a vocalist who's put into a context that you normally wouldn't expect him in. The classic, uh, you know, looking through a medical journal and picking up words and uh, putting them together and screaming them very loud, all recorded very quickly. It's really, really fantastic. Uh, George, thanks so much for recommending that. And I can say that there's going to be a new uh, full-length uh, Grand Cadaver record, and uh, it is sick. So when it comes out, I think it'll be out on Majestic Mountain Records. Check it out, because that if you want some heavy metal pedal uh, love, that album will offer it to you in times that we can't get a black breath record and <laughs> and it's fantastic on its own terms so strongly recommended as far as stuff that i really liked a lot um the new uh big brave album vital which came out on southern lord earlier this year was really fantastic it is their fourth album it's got a huge huge sound and the vocalist Robin Watt uh, is able to really convey a powerful message about her experience of upbringing, vulnerability, and her experience as a person of mixed race. Huge, big, low end. This band really just sort of carves out an interesting and important space that occupies, uh, occupies an important role in the Southern Lord catalog. I know Big Brave has played in Chicago a bunch of times, and I beat myself up for not seeing them. Have you seen Big Brave? I have not seen Big Brave, but I, <clears throat> I haven't actually listened to that record um, until today. But just going through, like, listening to stuff on my monitors and uh, going from record to record, the ones actually that you've recommended, just because I wanted to listen to a little bit of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, holy shit, yeah, that record does have, a, it's, like, very not compressed. It, like, it has a huge spectrum to it. Mm -hmm. It sounds great. Yeah, I, I really, really loved it. And uh, to me, it was my favorite Big Brave album to date, which is awesome that uh, there's bands that are uh, continuing to be on the up and up four albums in. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to see them in Chicago at some point. 
They should, uh, should be probably touring soon. They, well, they play like, was it Empty Bottle or Bee Kitchen last time? I can't remember. So I think it was the bottle. And I think that they are frequent offenders at the Empty Bottle. So hopefully uh, we can have that happen here. Hopefully a Scorched Tundra co-presents show. We'll find out. Uh, Gay Creeper. Earlier this year, I think it was uh, the surprise of January of 2021, uh, Unexpected Reality, which uh, notably did not come out on Relapse and that sort of, I mean, was almost eclipsed by their announcement of joining Nuclear Blast. Uh, but Unexpected Reality uh, was really fantastic, very straightforward. That album, it just fucking flew. Like yeah. I really, I, I listened to it and then I would like just become so ingratiated in it. And then what felt like five minutes and was really 25 minutes later <laughs> was like, okay, I'm on the last track, which is like by far and wide the longest song on the album and is the most epic and moody and changing in, uh, in sort of uh, pentameter and tempo, which is probably more maybe hopefully reflective of what we see in the future from them. Uh, but it was a, it was a ripper, like really fun to listen to. Like, mm -hmm. I remember like, uh, going on runs and listening to that and then finding myself just like sprinting yeah. when it came on. <laughs> and so, you know, for those, uh, for aspiring athletes that are listeners, <laughs> definitely check that one out. Nick, did aren't, you have any thoughts on it? Well, aren't those dudes like, in the like working out now? So um, I know there was something about like, cause they, they're like them and like Spirit of Drift are fairly much the same band. Yes, there mm -hmm. is a little bit of overlap mm -hmm. with members. Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, I didn't listen to that record until today. I um, haven't checked out their recent stuff. I really never got into them, but I actually really like this record. Yeah. yeah. Um, it actually, it kind of reminds me more of Nails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. much faster yeah. than their, their last album and even the album before that. Because before uh, they were kind of more boltery. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there was a, a little bit of mid-tempo to them. Also, like, I guess there's kind of a tie in there, a little bit of like heavy metal pedal worship too. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, they, they, they love their HM2s. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. It's, a, it's a great sound. Next up for me was uh, Pupil Slicer, which uh, thank you, Walter, and the Roadburn Essentials playlist I found. Um, and in a way, like uh, I've kind of found that I've enjoyed a little bit of more like uh, hardcore overlap with metal. It was something that like maybe 10 years ago, I'd f I'd be laughing at myself now, but uh, it's something that I've really, really enjoyed. This band, Pupil Slicer, their debut album, Mirrors, caught me. Um, it's just like an insane range from the vocalist. Uh, there's a ton of genre overlap from noise and grind. And what came to mind was some of the albums that were of the hardcore ilk that I remember from about uh, maybe a maybe an era that we spoke about before 2004 to 2006 of like uh, DEP's Calculating Infinity and Converges Jane Doe. Like I thought that this album touched on some of that uh, a little bit, uh, but there's like a wider depth that it catches that I really, really enjoyed quite a bit. And fuck what a name pupil slicer <laughs> like you that's malicious and yeah. completely reflective of the music i thought it was really really nice i haven't got a chance to listen to the record i remember when the i saw listen to a few singles when they first are coming out with the record and i didn't get around to it today from trying to listen to stuff beforehand mm -hmm. but i think i don't know if we've had this conversation before where metalcore was such like a bad word it was bastardized yeah like uh -huh. you were you were a jerk if you listened to that from the <laughs> elitist 
I think it took only a, you know two decades for it to come back uh, at least. But like all these kids don't understand that you know we were making fun of eighteen visions back in the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my but, like, god! As I said, like with, like yeah, with like stuff like that, like I. I still find myself going back and listening to like the first Martyr AD record and just like wanting to throw my computer out the window while I'm working. You know, it's just different now that you're in your mid to late thirties versus when you're 18. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, go back and listen to stuff. Even the stuff I like, um, my partner is, uh, like six years younger than me and she was into a lot of stuff that like the metal core stuff that was coming out and a lot of it, it's not really my thing, but some of the stuff I'm just like, I was just making fun of this because I was a jerk and I was just like elitist metal prick. Mm-hmm. Like I was like listening to like everything like you know like oh it doesn't have an HMT blah 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 it doesn't have like this or like that and, like <laughs> you know it's not blast beats it's not true metal or something like that and like listen like this is way better than the garbage that I was you know talking about anyways like and it's nice that it's actually being reformatted or reimagined by younger people or just people that don't have that connotation because it's fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely and uh, this album. I think encapsulates a lot of that spirit that we may have kind of overlooked in the, in the past, but I mean, this is a, this is a banger. Check it out. Um, came out on prosthetic records, which is fantastic. Also, um, on the riff Warship tip, uh, the new spell jammer album, abyssal trip came out on riding easy, uh, cleaner production than their first albums. Anyone that's been to any of my DJ sets know that I choose uh, typically an album from their or a song from their second album uh, in my sets without fail. So uh, maybe something from this will come up in the future. But if you're into the whole like worship riff worship paradigm, uh, this is a great one to check out. And uh, I did put a link in the episode notes to some videos. So give it a whirl. Um, uh, another one on the list here is the new Amenta album. Uh, we've interviewed the, um, would hate to use the keyboardist <laughs> title based on, uh, the content of the interview, but in any event, uh, this album's absolutely exceptional. I would say it's probably my top of the year, uh, revelator that came out on, uh, typically an album that would typically associate with black metal, uh, Debemur uh, Morty productions, a French label. Vocalist performance is out of this world. There were times that um, I thought Devin Townsend was on the album, but he wasn't. But there's a immense and wide uh, musical canvas that's taken from um, Maximus Black Metal. There are some elements of what you may remember from uh, Arab from their earlier material from Acasis or Non. But this album really stands out in its own. And are they French too? Uh, the immense are from Australia. So, but I really think that this, I always look forward to albums from the immense because each record is really distinct and stands on its own. And if it weren't titled as an immense album, I would still think it's great, uh, on its own. But to know that these is, this is roughly the same songwriting core confidently putting out, uh, heavy music that, uh, carries like a really strong spectrum and that is a great representation of of something that they're experiencing in that moment is absolutely uh, phenomenal. That was the 55th episode. So for listeners, go back and uh, check that one out. I will say I've been playing that album on repeat and it's my new workout album. It's just heavy yeah. and fast and it punches. 
Mm-hmm. It's got the production for sure. It's really, really good. So if you want to get sample strong, you should check that uh, <laughs> check that album out. Um, as far as some singles that are like single releases that came out earlier this year that were of interest to me, the new uh, Nova Rupta song, song Where You Down, which features uh, Fred Berman from of Satan Takes a Holiday fame is a really, really cool, uh, like mid-tempo. It's a little more catchy and um, I wouldn't say mainstream because there's nothing musical about it that's necessarily mainstream, but uh, the vocal performance is pretty exceptional and it's a little bit of a different sort of music. Uh, it's a little bit different than uh, some, than the what we heard on their first two albums. So give it a whirl and we can definitely expect a new album out from them this year uh there was the 2021 single from vukari uh do you you know this band nick yeah um i've seen them a few times in chicago and i'm friends with uh spencer who's the bassist and uh records i think everything but i'm not sure if, don't quote me on that but he said like he does the mixing and a lot of engineering work for panopticon and stuff like that and when they like they first came out they're a little more like kind of like chiller I think on the side of like the like the like the atmospheric black metal, and that last record was an Aeon 2019 record. Mm-hmm. It's it's a ripper. It's it. I gotta hate fucking using that term ripper when I'm in the <laughs> band. But I, it's, yeah, it's, you it's, hate having it in bad names too, don't you? <laughs> I, I, it feels so cliche and stupid, but like it's such a good way to refer to things for music wise. But it mm-hmm. it in like yeah, especially in this new track too. Like that drummer is just going on all animals holy animal see him live i saw him at like the bee kitchen and like maybe it was like 2018 when they were still like doing half and half the stuff and i was just like holy shit this next thing's gonna be good and it was when they released mm-hmm. like a demo too before that too which is really good which is i think the same song so mm-hmm. uh really exciting uh addition you know uh sort of band to have in the wealth of the chicago music scene as well too it's really great to have uh, we're fortunate here to have a variety of bands that do so many different genres so well. And I think Vukari really hits home on that, like uh, black uh, death and black uh, genre, if you will. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, we've only just because of the schedule wise, but like I've been trying to do a show with them for the last few ones that I've set up. Yeah, well, uh, let's make it happen, right? Uh, let's make shows happen. <laughs> let's make shows happen. <laughs> uh, last but not least, uh, for me on the singles is the new, uh, new-ish uh, Monolord single, I'm Staying Home, which, uh, as I understand, was a B-side-ish from their, uh, from their last album, but uh, oddly appropriate given the time that it came out. Um, Fantastic song. I'm really looking forward to a new Monolord album uh, in the near future on Relapse. As far as like re-releases go, I'm pretty excited for the Pelican re-releases um, mm-hmm. that are going to come out in Thrill Jockey. What are they releasing? Uh, all the Hydra Head uh, era material moved over to Thrill Jockey. So I'm really excited because that stuff uh, was some of the first instrumental metal that I experienced. Same. And uh, it uh, still rings home to me, and I really, really enjoy it uh, a lot personally. And it is Chicago style in its own way. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the treatment and the sort of um, work that I'm seeing the band put into finding uh, relics and artifacts. 
sounds like it's a thousand years ago, the <laughs> artifacts and relics of the time. 2003. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or no, it was, got, no, 2002 or 2003 for the, the EP. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Australasia was 2002, or I think. So that was it. That might, I think the EP was 2002. The Australasia was 2003, and then the fire came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how both the package treatment goes with that, and also uh, if there's any additional production that goes into it. And uh, there was one honorable mention I had, and uh, thanks to Metal Steve for this, the Ruins of Beverest album, The Fuel of the Grimoires, that came out on um, uh, Van Records, who, if you are a Roadburn dork, you know that half the Icelandic metal <laughs> that they play <laughs> comes through uh, that German label. But, I, like, I like that record. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I was... Working out to it earlier, I was aspiring <laughs> to get sample strong, and uh, the mass. It's just like a mat. Like if talking about like death and black and black and death, this is uh, doomed black and death. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, they, or he, they do a good job. He, yeah, he, yeah, a lot he, of he, a lot of, a lot of single he's. people uh, on our list. It seems like. Yeah, I th think I saw him play at Maryland Death Fest. Yeah. Who knows what year that was at this point? Well, I'm fucking jealous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Live music. Come back. Come Let's, back, please. I, I still haven't. Have, have you either of you seen a show since they've kind of come back? We did one. Luggage. Luggage. Their, uh, their release show at the bottle. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I, luggage is great. Mm-hmm. One of the mm -hmm. records actually I'm looking forward to is uh, Nihilus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, maybe. I, I didn't, yeah, because uh, yeah, with the I would look because like the the singles have been great so far, and I like that. Like, obviously, it still has that. Like, it's not like the cleanest production, but like it's a little bit more up, up from his last like solo effort kind of thing, where it's just like it sounds nasty, but you can hear how nasty it sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's a, a homie that I've you know known forever too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Luca, friend of the show as well. We're definitely looking forward to uh, to that one and. Maybe a future episode. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I like a record just called Happiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Nick, any uh, any sort of uh, parting thoughts for our for our audience as we close up today? Um, well, it's thank you both for having me on here. I um, <clears throat> I hate sounding or hearing how I sound on podcasts, but I like hanging out with you, so I do it. Love it, love it. All right, thanks so much. <laughs>